Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And welcome to our third week of Magic the Gathering Strixhaven School of Mages Magic Story Summaries and Discussion Podcast. I tried to make that sound official, but it came out really clunky, which I guess is fitting for uh, a college set. I'll tell you, academic papers, this is just message to academics everywhere. Learn how to write concise titles. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're talking uh, magic story again, but we do have one small piece of news, and that's uh, new secret layers were announced last week. There are four of them. One of them is a uh, concert poster set with uh, Nature's Lore, Wrath of God... Gamble? Yeah, Decree of Pain, Gamble, and why am I blanking? Uh, Preordain. Preordain's in there. There we go. Yeah. They're like concert poster styles. They're very stylized in terms of card text and stuff. If that is your kind of thing, that's neat. Uh, And like most sets nowadays, we get a secret lair that replicates whatever the Booster Fun card frame was. So we have a Mystical Archives secret lair with uh, six cards. The the six cards are All is Dust, Fire Covenant, Fractured Identity, Fracturing Gust, which is, I'm sure, uh, a little confusing. Oh god, I thought I knew all six of them. Did you miss Drown on the Lock? Drown, drown in the lock, and then... Artifact Mutation? Artifact Mutation. There we go. That's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Fire Covenant has not been reprinted in like 20 years, so I'm yeah. very proud of myself for, for knowing that one. This is also, I think, the first time foil printing for Fractured Identity? Yep, that is correct. Yeah, this set is cool. I'm a little disappointed there's no flavor text on these. Flavor text was one of my favorite parts about working on the archives um, for, from the set. But these are, uh, amusingly, all uh, allied color pairs, uh, except obviously for all this dust, which is a colorless spell. But, um, you know, in, in we had we had five multicolor archives in the set that were enemy colors, because it's an enemy color set with the enemy color schools. Uh, so the secret layer gets to push that, oh, there are allied color spells in the library too, and they're neat. God, these are, this is one of my favorite frame treatments they've ever done and favorite, like, I love the illuminated manuscript art style for these. This is the first time in a while I've been really, really excited for a secret layer. Yeah, these are pretty gorgeous. I, um, if I'm going to pick up any of them from this release, it'll probably be this secret layer. A thing that has been a joke for a while is uh, a secret layer now, and that is full text basic lands. Barf. These are <laughs> I, the first cards in Magic history that do not have an artist credit. Barf. They have an audience. Barf. <laughs> oh, Brian, I feel like you don't like these. <laughs> I'm feeling like you're not a fan. I I believe in um in marketing terms we would say these have a distinct visual style. Uh, <laughs> uh they they are very weird looking. Uh. I am uncomfortable looking at them, uh, but they literally do fill the entire card with rules text. I'm going to read uh, planes for you. No, please don't. Oh, no, 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 we don't want to no. do this? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely well, we, we have a not. time limit for how long this podcast can go. <laughs> Absolutely not. We're, we're going to link to the article. You can check them out there. But they, they literally do fill an entire card with text. Uh, they're not kidding about full text. It's not just no art. It's specifically full text uh it's very silly i i do know some people are very excited about these 
the basic land secret layers have always been a really good deal. Those lands resell for a lot because you you know you get a small amount in the secret layer. So if you want to like fill out a commander deck with them, uh, it's very cool. I did I did see people talking, being very excited that uh, they now have basic lands for their Alexander Clamilton wordy commander deck. And and that's that's neat. <laughs> uh, I also saw someone talking about uh, using uh, the islands for uh, Bruvac. He's a bureaucrat, the mill one. I'm I'm sorry if I'm slightly distracted because I'm half throwing up in my mouth trying to hold it back. So. <laughs> wow. I I love these. I'm glad they exist. I have no interest in owning them, <laughs> but every time someone plays them against me, I will chuckle. It'll get a little laugh out of me. So. <laughs> At least, Brian, be pleased that they have finally done the thing and now people can maybe stop asking for them. No, I, I don't. I, 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 can, I can hope <laughs> that they, they they never did it because this, <laughs> ugh, if I ever have to play with these, I'm going to be very upset. Uh, okay, noted. Uh, next birthday, no one get Brian the secret lair. The final one is really cool as a concept. Uh, it's called Culture Shocks. They are... Five linked releases, um, each with three cards, uh, and each of them have three shock lands uh, that form uh, one of the shards. So you'll get two allied shocks and an enemy shock in each of them. And uh, these are pretty basic shock lands, but there's no reminder text, and so they all have flavor text. And uh, ev- all ten of them have art from a plane other than Ravnica. For a long time, it was dual land philosophy to give them uh, generic names so that they could be printed elsewhere. You know, when there was a full cycle of 10 in the original Ravnica, there was a big talk because there were uh, two other land cycles that got specific place names, but these had very generic ones, and people were like, why? And Wizards is like, well, these are lands we probably want to reprint someday, so we want generic names so that we can print them on other planes. And then they've been reprinted in um, Return to Ravnica block and uh, Guilds of Ravnica, and uh, admittedly, we did have the expedition, so we got the um, Zendikar fancy ones. But these are like standard border. All that's different is their art and flavor text. So we have a Hallowed Fountain on Kylum Breeding Pool on New Frexia, Temple Garden on Theros. We have Watery Grave on Ixalan, Godless Shrine on Amonket. We have Steam Vents on Dominaria, Blood Crypt on Innistrad. Overgrown Tomb on Fiora, Stomping Ground on Tarkir, and Sacred Foundry on Kaladesh. These are gorgeous. I'm slightly disappointed that these are not going to be in foil, but also that is kind of understandable if people want to buy like sets of these for constructed 60-card tournaments. Uh, having them non-foil is going to make them... Tournament issues with foils and non-foils for all of Magic history has been a thing... And but Secret Lair have a, a, a sketchy track history even beyond normal foils, so... Yeah, they, um, the foiling process has definitely been inconsistent. We'll just put it that way. I'm personally super excited about this new Phyrexia breeding pool because uh, it's got a little friend in it. Yeah. A little friend taking a bath. Anyway, uh, so we're, we'll link to that article. This is like probably way more time talking about these than we should, but uh, uh, Secret Lairs... These these are uh, neat. I like these. Obviously, the cast has mixed opinions on some of them. <laughs> uh, and uh, with that, we're going to head right into Magic Story with our uh, third main story titled Extracurriculars, uh, which is both a descriptive title and a 
metaphor extracurricular activities sometimes gets used to talk about school fights and bullying and uh, uh especially in in terms of like fighting in the halls or fighting at a sports game so uh i should clue you in a little bit about what this story's about uh so it's autumn on arcadios uh will and rowan have been at strixhaven for a bit now they've kind of settled into their uh first year here uh will is studying and uh, Rowan is hanging out with her Witherbloom friends a lot. Uh, Auvernine and Plink. Or I guess Auvernine. I don't know. Aubergine? No. Aubergine and Plinko. Got it. Now you're making me think about when I said Professor Oryx last week. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Will is studying for uh, an exam for Professor Onyx in their uh, intro year. First year uh, where they take classes kind of everywhere. Uh, Rowan is blowing it off. And uh, they have a little fight in their room, and, and Rowan storms off. So Will is, like, frustrated about the whole situation and their relationship uh, while he's studying in the biblioplex with Quintorius, our Loxodon friend. They're chatting, and uh, Quint gets very excited because he realizes these two historical people were the same people and accidentally spills his tea all over both of their books. And Will is freaking out, and Quint's like, don't worry about it, buddy, like... We have a spell in archaeology uh, that helps us find shards of things buried in earth. It's called uh, Like Attracts Like. And he uses it to pull the tea out of the pages and back into his cup. And then he takes a sip, which I think is a little gross psychologically. But <laughs> that's his tea. He can do with it what he wants. Yeah. that's. Uh, and, and he uh, says the line, eh, there's always a spell. And that's what we call foreshadowing. <laughs> So uh, we cut to Rowan hanging out at uh, Bow's End, which is a, a you know a tavern on on campus uh, with her pals. And Will storms in. This is a couple days later, and he's like, "Rowan, look how bad of a score you got on your test. You should have been studying." And Rowan's like, "Well, I passed, didn't I?" And uh, so they get in a fight, and and they kind of uh, Rowan pulls uh, Will out onto the street, and and their spat grows. Will makes a dig at her, comparing her to their birth mother, who, if we remember oh. back to Eldraine, uh, is a witch who mind-controlled and raped their dad, and then tried and then killed the twins as babies for their life energy before they were resurrected. And that's a thing that these kids yeah, don't not, talk not... about. This is this is crossing a line with them. The moment Will says it and sees Rowan's reaction. Uh, he knows he screwed up here. Uh, he knows he said he said something that he probably shouldn't have. Uh, and and Rowan storms off, and uh, Will feels bad, as well he should. But it does make me wonder how he feels about the Witherbloom like pest things. Like while they aren't sentient, like it's still drawing on other people's life energy or other things' life energy to fuel magic, and it's. Yeah, it's it's funny you should say that. Uh, we're gonna table that thought for now. Um, <laughs> and so a couple weeks pass, and you know, despite living in the same room, Rowan and Will don't really talk to each other. And then we cut to a game of Mage Tower. Uh, it's uh, Prismari versus Silverquill, uh, and um, Will is there with Quintorius, and uh, Quint is having a fun time. Uh, you know, as the rules of Mage Tower are that uh, students can use any spell so long as it doesn't uh, kill or seriously injure any other players, the mascots, or anyone in the crowd. It's a place for innovation, a uh, sport created for mages to invent and practice and test their skills. And Quintarius is having a fun time uh, trying to guess the spells that the players are using. 
a silver quilt student is holding uh, a mask, their mascot, and uh, and then a Prismari student uh, uses this spell that creates this uh, red ring of energy around the mascot and yoinks it right into their hand. And Quint gets very excited. It's the spell Mascot Interception, which is in the set. It's a story spotlight. They said the name. They said the name. <laughs> yep. Leo meme. So, small detail is uh, the silver quill student that the pest gets taken out of, I'm pretty sure is Killian. And this is why he's in the detention bog in the Dina story. I lost my place on the agenda. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and Quatorius is like, you know, goes on about mascot interception, which seizes control of any summoned creature. Uh, and then we cut over to uh, Rowan, who is also there with her friends. Uh, and her friends look over and are like, hey, wait, isn't that your brother? And Rowan's like, oh, yeah. And they're like, well, like, you should go say hi. You are siblings. And so uh, Rowan goes over and talks to Will. And they have like an awkward, almost too polite conversation that very quickly dissolves back into a fight. And this isn't just words that get thrown around. Will gets zapped onto the ground. And he... Blast some ice at Rowan's uh, feet, freezing her to the ground. And th- this starts to be a little magical brawl in the stands that gets uh, very quickly broken up by one Professor Serafina Onyx. <coughs> Sorry. What was that, Brian? Oh, nothing. nothing. No, just a cough? Okay, I, buddy, I hope you feel better. <laughs> Would, wouldn't want any of your um, bodily sounds to accidentally reveal the secret identity of a professor at the school. Oh, of course not. <laughs> I would never dream of such a thing. <laughs> uh, so Onyx brings um, Rowan and Will to her office and is like, hey, you kids need to settle down. This is far even for sibling rivalry. By the way, wink, wink. I know you're important special people not from around here, which is why I'm going to tell you about the Auric, this evil organization uh, who is going to attack the school. And Rowan's like, well, wouldn't the professors... At least I'm pretty sure it's wrong. One of them is like, well, wouldn't the professors take care of this? And Onyx is like, well, they might or they might not because she knows they don't take this threat seriously. And she's like, the question is, what are you two going to do about it? And then uh, we cut to them exiting. It, it, there's an important moment where Onyx mm-hmm. says uh, Strixhaven doesn't have a, a monopoly on power in this plane. Mm-hmm. And uh, Will is the only one who catches on to this plane. And he realizes Professor Onyx might not be... Uh, the standard issue professor. Uh, and Rowan is, of course, not thinking at all about it and doesn't even notice. No thoughts head empty. That brain does one thing and it's fight. Will and Rowan uh, leave and, uh, you know, Will is concerned. Like, hey, this is a real threat. We, you know, we're Kenriths. Uh, you know, we have we have a duty, uh, like a nightly duty here. And uh, I'm going to go to the library and study. And Rowan, I suggest you come with me. And she's like... What do you mean? Being Kenrith doesn't mean anything here. Like, this is continuing the arguments from earlier. And it's just like, I don't need to go study. I just need to go be more powerful. Like, we're not heroes. Go study if you want. I'll go prepare my own way. And she goes and has uh, play fights with her friends. And uh, then we get another Kazmina scene. Where she is watching Rowan train through the eyes of her owls. And then uh, cuts to the owl she has trained on Luca. And watches as Luca rejects uh, an auric mask, then turns right at the owl. And she kind of, like, jumps back out of the uh, second sight uh, because Luca is now aware of her. And that's mysterious. Ooh. 
Ooh, that is foreshadowing again. And then we have a small scene where uh, Avernine and Rowan are hanging out. And Avernine is, uh, uh, you know, Willowbloom student making a little potion and sacrifices a pest uh, to charge the potion up with his life energy. And gives Rowan a little speech about how, hey, sometimes sacrifices are necessary for the greater good. And Rowan's like, yeah, more power. Got it. Uh, and so she approaches Will at in the Biblioplex and is like, you know what, Will? I think we have everything we need. And uh, she siphons the electricity out of a Prismari Elemental nearby and causes this huge flash of lightning and it's kind of a disaster. And Will is like, Rowan, what the hell are you doing? You can't just like go siphon the energy out of things. Like you're using siphoning magic you don't understand. You just can't like, you can't do this. And Rowan's like, yeah, well, playing by the rules gets you defeated. So I'm going to bend the rules, break the rules if I need to, because we need power in order to win. Uh, and she storms off. Hey, Brian, what's that thing you said earlier about siphoning the life out of things for power? Clearly the twins are on opposite sides of it. Wink, wink. Oh, Rowan, you've fallen into a bad crowd. You're hanging out with them goth bio kids. <laughs> Next thing we're going to know, she's going to be wearing some trip pants and black eyeliner. It's not a phase. It's not a phase. <laughs> she's going to she's she's going to be yelling at her stepmom. You're not my real mom. No, that's sad. They have a nice family. They do. We're not going to headcanon family drama other than these two because it makes sense narratively. <laughs> Eric's a good boy. Leave him out of this. Also... Goths are cool. Shut up. <laughs> Goth girl's hot. I, I don't want to tell you how many pairs of trip pants I owned in my life. Okay, let's just move on. I have big stompy <laughs> boots with lots of buckles. Thank you very much. So I guess I'm the only one who didn't do that. Oh, well. There's still time. Another story ends with uh, a fight scene, which gets summarized as a fight scene, basically. Uh, Luca and Kazmina fight, and Kazmina has a pretty big upper hand on this whole thing. And is like, well... Luca, you're not really a threat. You're kind of a loser. And Luca's just like, kill you. Because that's how he is. Uh, he's an angry boy. And then the mage hunters appear that uh, Luca's been controlling. And uh, Casmina realizes, oh, shit. And pieces out and planes walks away. And uh, Exodus and Luca begin their assault on Strixhaven. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Luca is a stinky man, and he also can change his face to kind of look like his pet, uh, his companion, which was a thing that happened in the story where he, like, sure was. changed his facial features to look more like a fox. That'll probably come up at some point, I'm sure. But uh, he got his butt beat by Kazmina, and he deserves it. It's okay. He beat her butt back. No, he. she just left. She understood when she was outmatched. Yeah, and... and she pulled the ultimate trump card as a planeswalker and just walked away. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe she's going to go get some allies or she's going to show up at the last moment to save everyone. Or I, I don't know. I haven't read any of the other stories, but I really doubt Kazmina's coming back for, you know, heroing. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the, yeah, this is, um, you know, the, the twins weren't really in uh, the last story much. But, you know, they, they, they get center stage in this one. This is This is the big... Everything is in okay with Rowan and Will's story. That this is kind of the, the crux of their character conflicts in this set is uh, how do they deal with each other? They're growing up, you know, they're college age, they're 
discovering themselves, trying to find out who they want to be in the world, especially off of Eldraine, you know. They don't have these knightly paths to follow anymore. You know, they can be anything they want, um, but they're still bound together. They don't have to live up to the Kinrith name. Yeah, and it's very clear Rowan doesn't want to. Um, and it's very clear that Will feels obligated to. This is a really relatable story of siblings being different. Um, even outside of a specific twin thing, this is just siblings are their own people. Family doesn't always mean the same thing to either of them. And uh, got uh, a lot of cutting moments between them in this story. Yeah, I'm sad because they're, you know, fighting, but also uh, it's making for a good story. Will is kind of a jerk. Like bringing up the whole uh, birth mom thing was uh, was really, really uncalled for and cruel in a lot of ways. Um, so... He deserves to get knocked around a little bit for that. But also, Rowan is kind of being uh, very red. She's very, very red. Very red. She's she's leaning into those those red stereotypes of being impulsive and angry and emotional and, and kind of violent, too. So, um, not their best characteristics coming out. There's a lot of stress in college. There is. They are under a lot of stress. But yeah, we we have any other thoughts on the that story? The next one's really cool. Yeah, I really like the next one. The side story is what I'm talking about because I haven't read any of the other main stories yet. But no, uh, no, I, I'm talking about that one as well. It's, it's I, I like the Quintoria story. Yeah, we got a Quintoria story. The good boy. This is side story number three, the mentor. We're getting a little look into our Lorehold student of excellence, Quintorius, who I don't know when this story takes place. I don't know if it's before or after the main story. It's kind of hard to tell, but he is. Uh, a relatively new Lorehold student, and he has been assigned a spirit mentor, which is apparently a thing that all Lorehold students are assigned. They each get their own spirit mentor, and some of them get like ancient warlords or like emperors or like, you know, leaders of vast armies. And Quintorius got this guy Asterion, um, who really loves to talk about scones and cummerbunds. And a, uh, he's Asterion's a fancy rich boy. He is a fancy rich boy. He he is not very interesting, and Quintorius is very disappointed uh, because he needs to get a good grade because Quintorius is here on a scholarship. He is not here uh, due to like family money or legacy, which makes him a little different from some of the other students that we've met so far. Like His family has no association with Strixhaven. Uh, so he is here entirely on the goodness of a scholarship. And if he messes up this grade, he may not stay in school. This, this is the thing that he has in common with the other students who had stories is, is that Quintarius also has his moments of, Oh no, what if I get expelled for this in this story, which I think is funny. Oh uh, yeah. There's um, Oh yeah. We forgot to mention like the story, the main story. There's a moment where it's like, we could get killed or worse expelled. expelled. <laughs> that moment happened. But anyways, uh, yeah. So Quintarius is having that thing. That, that moment the other students were having were like, oh my god, my entire future rides on this one moment, uh, which is not true. And that's never true in college or school. Don't ever feel that way. I promise you, you'll be okay. Don't ever let a collegiate institution trick you into believing that you need them. They need yeah. you. They are a capitalist institution in a capitalist society. You give them money. They are trying to make money. They do not serve the public good. They want cash. You are their cash cow. 
But not just that. No, there's no single moment at any point in time in college that will determine your future in college, even if that's a thing that you care about. Um, if you get to a point where you're like, oh my God, if I fail this test, I will flunk out of this class and then I will flunk out of my major and then I will flunk out of college entirely. That one grade is not making the difference. You you are in a situation which has probably been the result of a lot of different moving pieces over time. And you need to address those at, at a scale larger than just one grade. But Quintorius is probably doing okay. And he's just overly worried about this one grade that probably doesn't matter that much, honestly. Uh, but he goes to Asterion for one last meeting. He's already assuming that it's going to be awful. And he asks Asterion how he died. And Asterion's like, I don't remember. And Quint's like, what? Okay. Um, and Asterion's like, yeah, I have no clue. And Quint's like, well, you know, you went missing on a trip. And your mom commissioned a statue for you. And we found that statue. And that's how we summoned you. And Asterion's like, oh, yeah, no, I was at Pillar Drop. And uh, I was looking for an ancient city. And Quint's like... Oh yeah, no, we're we're looking for more Gitsu Kesh. It's supposed to be like beneath Strixhaven somewhere. And Asterion's like, oh no, 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 no. I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for Xantifar. That's under Strixhaven. And Quint's like, uh, what? And uh Asterion's like, yeah, yeah, Xantifar. And he recites some lines of poetry. That's Loxodon poetry. And Quint is like, uh, what? So Quint asks him how he knows of this canticle of Jed which is a prayer attributed to the last Loxodon emperor. Asterion says he learned it from his childhood caretaker, who was also a Loxodon. And more than that, uh, Asterion's like, the Loxodon city of Xantifar is underneath Pillar Drop, and I will totally show you where that is, and we can go together and we'll discover it, and it'll be great. And Quint's like, no, because you are a spirit statue, and you are not allowed to leave campus. So they break some laws. Rules, not laws. Yeah, it rules. That's true. Because the the situation is that Quint realizes that this spirit has never said anything interesting the entire time they've been together. But the spirit definitely seems to know something about the lost city of the Loxodons. Uh, ever since this oh, city on, fell... Hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. When Quint says, uh, hey, you can't leave Effigy Row, and Asterion says, says who? And Quint says, says the rules. No statues outside of Effigy Row without permission from a Lorehold Dean. And Asterion has a fantastic response quote i remember rules they were around in my time and you know who followed them cowards and fools i like asterion (laughs) asterion turns out to be a really really great character um he convinces quent uh to take him on a little adventure outside of the school grounds outside of effigy row which is the only place these spirit statues are supposed to be um and quent is he really thinks he's got to get a good grade and he thinks it's not going to get one. And so he's like convinced that this is how he's going to do it. You know, screw getting a good grade on interviewing a dead spirit. He's going to get a good grade on discovering the ancient city of the uh, Loxodon. It's not just about getting a good grade. Like this is the ancient city of his people. Uh, The Loxodon in Arcavios are a diaspora population. They don't know where their ancient homeland is. Uh, They are nomads now. But they used to have this grand city, and they all have heard stories about it, uh, but nobody's been able to find it. Some people don't even believe it was real. And uh, this is his chance to, like, potentially discover a really important part of his cultural history. Yeah, it's it's a very... Um, it gets really touching at the end. The The story is also about legacy, like the other stories or the students. This one's just less of a more direct parental legacy. This one is a an entire cultural legacy that he's sort of falling into here. 
they they leave campus together and quint is a little concerned because uh he's gonna have to take him through a place where all of his professors are camped out at a dig site because all these professors are at pillar drop dig site looking for morigitsu kesh thinking oh we're gonna find this ancient city here and they have to go straight through that to get to where asterion says he found xantafar um and so all this time quint starts thinking about how he got expelled from military school and he's like i don't want this to happen again because my family will be incredibly disappointed in me um but also like Getting expelled twice is just not going to be good. It's not a good feeling. Um, so he's thinking about how he got expelled because he, like, was getting hazed by some bullies. And he used some little bit of magic to, like, trip him up and cause them to, like, stumble all over each other. But it, it it's just fun. It's a fun little story of him getting back at some bullies. But he, uh, he gets expelled from the military school, ends up at Strixhaven. Now he's about to get expelled from Strixhaven because, uh... As they're sneaking to go to this uh, site that Asterion points out, uh, they run into, uh, well, Quint trips and makes a bunch of noise while they're going by their camp of their professors. And Quint runs into Hoffrey Ghostforge, who is, like, the nicest guy. Awesome. Just a really friendly, nice guy. I mean, really liked Hoffrey. He's as good a, a person as he is a card. It's great. You'd love to see it. Yeah, well, Hoffrey, like, hears Quint trip, and he, he, you know, comes over and is like, Quintorius, what are you doing? What's going on? And Quint lies and says that he uh, left some tools at the camp. And Hoffrey's like, hey, why don't you come and, like, hang out with us, and we'll have a chat, and we'll all drink some tea. And, you know, he's basically getting invited to hang out with, like, the most prestigious professors. And uh, Quint thinks about that opportunity. He's like, wow, anyone else would die for this opportunity. Um, And he says... No, thank you. Hoffrey also says during this little exchange, he he says, you know, this isn't about the tools, is it? This is about your mentor, Asterion. Is he still so disappointing to you? Oh, and uh, Asterion is somewhere nearby, but that, that'll come up later. But Quint lies to him and says, it's, you know, no, he's fine. He just needs his tools and he's going to go get them and leave. Uh, so Quint sneaks off and joins back up with Asterion and Asterion you know, guides him to where the cave is, where he remembers his the last place he was at. And he guides him over there. He's like, hey, this is where it is. And they find this, like, big natural staircase that's, like, in this cave. Um, but it just kind of ends abruptly. And uh, Asterion is really disappointed. And Quint is also disappointed. And Asterion says, you know, hey, I'm sorry if I'm such a disappointment. He He's clearly heard the conversation going on. Uh, between Asterion or between Quint and Hoffrey. And so it's kind of sad. This like spirit is just like he really wanted to do something for Quint. And also, you know, he felt a tremendous amount of sort of guilt. And you can tell. And he was trying to make it up to him. He believes they failed. And like the big thing for Quint is like he's like, Asterion, we know about this cave. And he pulls up his map and is just like, We've documented everything that there is in this cave. There's nothing here to discover. And Asterion feels bad for leading Quint astray. Asterion shares with Quint sort of the the story of his Loxodon mentor, or I guess caretaker, whose name was Viz. And, and Viz was the nicest guy, and Asterion really liked him. And Asterion, Viz shared with Asterion this poem that, um, or this song that Viz had taught him. Uh, I guess it's just a poem. There's no music to it. Uh, it's it's uh, This is the thing that is the prayer. 
Yeah, it's like a it's a prayer. It's a canticle of jazz. So, well, okay, here as a, a piece of uh, artistic communication passed down through history, this is the Viz Media. <sighs> we don't have those anymore. That's gone. So, so Viz shared with Asterion this this poem, um, this prayer, this canticle. You could say. Uh, and Quintus like, who was Viz? What was going on with that? And Asterion's like, yeah, Viz was my caretaker, but um, he also was, you know, found out that he was this like great warlord and like slaughtered a bunch of people in the old wars before you know peace came, and he gets arrested. And before I can do anything to help him, he's put in the stockades and left to die in the middle of a town square, while everyone just sort of went on their business. Asterion's dad gives the order to execute him because it's only fair. The laws say that war criminals are to be executed, so we have to execute him. And he's like buried in a nameless mass grave. So this, you know, Loxodon of great import, both in history and directly to Asterion, who cared so much for the Loxodon people, uh, just died and was, you know, buried in a nameless grave. Uh, and so you can kind of get this idea that Asterion felt a tremendous amount of guilt for not really being able to help or save his friend. Um, and now here he is, having led Quintorius on this expedition to what appears to be the middle of nowhere dead end, and has also failed Quintorius. Except there's there's something that they they figure out. Quint knows that there's there's this place here, and he feels like he owes it to Asterion to do his best, but also to his own people. Like, if Xantafar is here, they have to do something. So they're trying to think of, like, what could what could be here? And uh, Asterion's like, oh, I don't know. We've looked at everything. And Quint's like, are you sure we've checked everything? Where? What else can we be here? Like, you know, what happened to you? How did you die? And they're having this conversation, and they're talking about the city. And then Asterion's like, you know, there was that poem that Viz kept teaching me, that canticle of, of Jed. And then it pops in their mind, like, oh, this is like such an important piece of us. And and Viz always said that, he said it was the most important part, the heart of it, the part that references Xantafar. And Quint's like, oh, that part was never really that important. But Asterion's like, no, that is the most important part, according to Viz. Can I read it? Yeah, you can read it. Quint goes up and he reads the lines of the Canticle of Jed aloud. Uh, yeah, he realizes that uh, this little canticle is the instructions. Descend the steps, O pilgrim, O wanderer, to find Xantafar, you must seek it. To seek Xantafar, you must embrace it. To embrace Xantafar, you must accept it. To accept Xantafar, you must know its heart. So we get our little Indiana Jones, only the worthy may enter type thing. Uh, and uh, The penitent man may pass. Yeah, so this column in the middle of the room starts to, like, descends into the floor and opens up this chamber. And uh, Quint descends, uh, coming face to face with a gigantic Loxodon statue. And he's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, Asterion, I think we found it, I think we found it, I think we found it. And he climbs all the way down, and he's just, like, amazed at the city around him, lit up by, like, luminous uh, fungus and stuff. And then he notices, on the ground, right nearby, is a skeleton of a human. The horribly broken leg. Wait a sec. Asterion, you found the city. You didn't fail. You made it. Asterion's like, well, I clearly must have misjudged how far down I went and broke my leg and died down here. That's kind of sad and pathetic of me. And and Quint's like, no, no, like, 
Buddy, you found the thing that nobody could find. And you helped me find it now. Again. We discovered this place. Like, you didn't fail. You made this happen. Uh, and it ends with them just, like, realizing, like, they just made the discovery of a lifetime. Academically, culturally, personally. This is the an event that will define uh, at least Quint's life and Asterion's undeath. And that's a really nice moment. It's very touching also because... Asterion wanted to find this place for Viz, his old friend. He wanted to find it for him and for, like, all Loxodon people, and he couldn't do it in his lifetime. And so it, after his lifetime, he found Quint, who, another Loxodon, and found it with him. So touching. It makes you really appreciate Asterion quite a bit. Um, I liked him a lot at the start of the story because I also like scones. <laughs> <laughs> But he, he definitely, you, you grow to really love the guy. Um, Quint is just the best. Such a good, good character. Love Quint. I'm kind of um, sad Asterion didn't get a card, but I know how the timing on some of these stories is probably not fast enough for the making of the cards. But I, I love this. I, this story was so touching. And I'm not going to lie, beginning when like Asterion was convincing Quint to leave the campus, I thought he was going to get him killed. <laughs> so it was it was so nice for this story to end the way that it did. So so while Asterion doesn't have like a legendary creature card, uh he's intended to be the statue on uh Stonebound Mentor, which is uh one of the cards in the three card Quintorius story cycle. So uh he has technically a non legendary card. I wanted a legend. I wanted a legend lower line. He's a legendary creature that makes food tokens. <laughs> and can regenerate small dogs. Um. <laughs> And uh, has some kind of equipment ability because he knows about uh, wearing cover buns. Exactly. <laughs> but dies the moment you cast Momentous Fall or Tragic Slip. Anyways. Um, I really love the story. I love the characters. It was another good side story. I love this going on, this theme between all of the side characters of like legacy and family and tradition and you know, that's a thing that a lot of students in, in school really struggle with because a lot of kids are, you know, some of them are first time students and they're the first in their family to go to higher education institution. And sometimes you're like the eighth person in your family to go to the same college. And there's different burdens that come with that. And there's different feelings that are associated with it. So um, I like that that's like a running theme. Yeah, all, all these stories have been big relatable. Um, I mentioned... Well, I don't know if I mentioned on an earlier show, but uh, uh, Quint and Rutha are the the two characters uh, of the five of the five students. They are the two that really emotionally resonated with me when I was working on the set. So uh, I'm glad I found both of the stories uh, excellent and touching in um, really emotional, impactful ways for me. I want I want a uh, a Sterion creature. I want uh, a Viz creature because he sounds like a really cool guy. Well, I mean, he's a war criminal, but sure. He's a war criminal, but, well, you know. So is Jace. So is Jace. <laughs> so is, in, in fantasy worlds of, uh you know, like this, it's different than in the real world where uh, war criminals are, you know, they, they should be killed and buried in unmarked graves. In, in um, Jace's defense, he didn't know he was a war criminal because his <laughs> mind kept getting erased. But, uh yeah. But yeah, those are our two main stories for the week. Um, next week we'll be doing story four inside story four, which comes out tomorrow as of the day of this recording. Yeah, that'll be the, uh, Zamon story. Ooh, very excited. Yeah. Can't wait. 
I like Simone. I'm very curious to see how she gets characterized and stuff. Uh, she's uh, she she is the like child prodigy. I'm a young teenager, but I'm in college type. That'll 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 be fun. I hope. Uh, and Quandrix is a silly place. <laughs> But uh, for now, that's going to end this episode. So we're going to do some final thoughts. And uh, my final thought is that today I have uh, finally gotten around to pre-ordering new Pokemon Snap. I'm very excited. I am of the generation to have played the original, but I didn't have an N64. So I've never actually played a Pokemon Snap before. But um, Pokemon's been really good forever about making uh, spinoff games. So, uh, you know, I haven't had a new game to, to really suck up time in a while. Uh, I have about a week left um, as of this recording to finish my current Wind Waker playthrough. And then it's time to take some pictures of Pokemon. <laughs> I also grew up in the generation that Pokemon Snap, but I but I owned a 64 and it was a lot of fun. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Um, my final thought is that the final episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming out tomorrow, and I cannot wait. Wait, is it only... the, really the last one? Yep. What? They're, they're only doing six episodes for this season. So, um, it'll, it, it should be real interesting. I, I'm, I can't wait to see what happens, and I will be watching it first thing in the morning, since I'm going to be taking tomorrow off to do that and uh, get my second COVID shot. Team Moderna. Okay, though, uh... Spoilers, you know, if you have not watched, um, if you have not kept up with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, stop listening now. I will stop listening right now. When when they had Julie Louis-Dreyfus show up, I lost it. I love her so much. She's great. She was wonderful. Yeah, and that re- made me really mad that they pushed uh, Black Widow back as far as they did. Because we were not supposed to come into her blind. We were supposed to have seen Black Widow before seeing her. Ah, well. Chris, final thought. My final thought is uh, I have been double vaccined officially two weeks now. And uh, over the weekend, I played some uh, paper commander in person with friends. Uh, we played the Strixhaven. Well, first we played our Strixhaven pre-release because that happened. And we then played some Strixhaven pre-con commander decks against each other. Uh, I got to play the Quandrix, Adrix, and Nev de- uh, deck. Uh, friend got to play Brina, another one played Osgear, and then another one played Willow Dusk. Uh, and they were really fun. Um, even though I got totally stomped in the second game we played, I did at one point create uh, two Mirror Battle Spheres with 10 Mirror Tokens. No, 16 Mirror Tokens. That would be the correct number. And the next turn, I was on <laughs> I was on track to make five more uh, Mirror Battle Spheres with a hundred and something tokens. It was going to be really fun. And then a uh, board wipe happened and uh, I didn't really do anything else that game, but it was really cool. Um, really fun games, really fun decks. I recommend them. I think they are all excellent pre-cons. Very well designed. Very fun cards. Uh, so if you too like playing uh, Magic the Gathering, I don't know if you've heard of this game before, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash Vorthoscast and help support our show every week. Well, I guess, well, I mean, the Patreon thing is every month, but we make an episode every week. You get it. Uh, <laughs> everyone who supports us on Patreon gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are uh, still reading Strixhaven Story and enjoying the new set. You know, we just had pre-release. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you, if you 
played a uh, pre-release on Arena or uh, Magic Online, or if you did a little pre-release at home over webcams or with someone isolated in your home, or if you're in one of the countries where you can actually go into stores again and play it in stores, congrats to you. Strixhaven Limited, really fun. People are loving this set. Um, it's, a, it's a good good feel. So uh, if you, if you want a community of, of Magic fans that like the same things you do, support us on patreon and uh we got a we got a great little community that uh we would love uh all of our listeners to be part of but until the day where we have a 100 percent patreon conversion rate which is never gonna happen <laughs> by the way we we do love you patrons patrons pat- i always every time i try to say patron i say patreon patreon has poisoned my brain i can't say the word patron anymore anyway <laughs> listeners we love you all and thank you this has been the vorthos cast